to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to preach this morning a message God laid on my heart a week ago. And it's so good to see everybody here. If you're visiting with us, we're so thrilled that you're here today. You're our guest. Um, those of you who are watching online, welcome. Good to have you with us. For those of you visiting with us today, there's a, a, a connection card right in the seat in front of you here at some point. If you pull that out and fill that out and then take it to guest services, we'd appreciate it so much. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is a good atmosphere to preach in. I want to begin at verse 18. Paul said, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For God made him who knew no sin. That's Jesus. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Can y'all say amen to the word? It's good stuff right there. Have a seat. So I've entitled this message, Reunited and It Feels So Good. For those of you who are my age or older, you actually know what that means, where that comes from. For those of you younger, might not know that actually comes from a secular song. But I'm going to spiritualize that today because I want to talk about being reunited with God. And how many of you know when you're reunited with God, it's a wonderful feeling. And so I want to talk about reconciliation today. Uh, I read a story about a Spanish father and son, a Spanish father and son, this is in the country of Spain, who were estranged from one another. They had a bad argument. It was brutal. And it was so bad that the son left home. Well, this upset the father, and he searched for his son for months, could not locate him. Finally, he got an idea, and he went down to the local newspaper, and he put it in the paper, and this is what it read. Paco, dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 men named Paco showed up looking for forgiveness and reconciliation with their fathers. Yeah, it's funny at first until you really realize what it is. It's really not that funny. 800 men trying to reconcile with their fathers. The Bible contains a story of a father who was estranged from his children. It's the story of God the Father estranged from sinful humanity. But ultimately, it is a story about reconciliation. Now, a lot of times I come up here and I preach and I throw these these theological words at you, and sometimes we have to explore them for a while because they're not the kind of things that we may not have common knowledge about. But if I say reconcile with someone, you, you understand that. Because I guarantee you, every one of us in this room has been at odds with somebody before and, and had an argument and whatever, and then you had to make up. You had to reconcile. And so that's what we're talking about today. It's the reestablishing of a proper, loving relationship which has been broken. Or disrupted. It's a change of relationship from hostility to harmony and peace 
between two parties. So when we take it and, and talk about God and sin relative to God and sinful humanity, reconciliation is the process by which God and man are brought back together again. Because the ultimate reality is this. Because of sin, God and people are in a hostile relationship. The Bible actually says that sinners are enemies of God. Now, I know we have a lot of people here, church people today, people that are saved. You can be a church person and not be saved. But, you know, you're, a lot of you here today, many of you are saved. But think about when you weren't saved, B.C., before Christ, uh, how you felt towards God and your relationship with God. It really wasn't one because you were enemies. The Bible uses this word called enmity. And enmity is a feeling of hostility and antagonism and animosity and will. See, when God created man and put him in the Garden of Eden, it was wonderful. They had wonderful fellowship and relationship. But then sin came in, and that disrupted that harmony. It disrupted that relationship, and, and, and there was a rift that was created between God and man. And so every sinner thus is the enemy of God. This explains why some people get mad when you mention God. Have you ever been anybody like that? If you mention God, they get mad. They get upset. If you start talking about things of God or thing about Jesus or the Bible, they get upset. This is why they're atheists. This is why they're agnostics. This is why people um, try to ignore the subject of God. They say, I just don't want to talk about it. Or there are people who are terrified of God. They have this image of God as this mighty being like Zeus, you know, the mythical Zeus God, where he's got a thunderbolt in his hand. He's just waiting to zap every sinner that he can and, and it's because of the sin that's in us and because there is, there's bad blood, we would say, in, in the vernacular. There's, there's a bad relationship there. I was reading this psalm this week, and it just I said, this fits my message. It's Psalm 53, verses 1 through 3. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And they are corrupt, the psalmist said, and they've done abominable iniquity. And there is none who does good. Now, now watch this. So God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand. If there are any who seek God. Is there anybody down here in all of sinful humanity that understands what's going on and understands that there needs to be reconciliation? Are there any sinners down here that are making an effort to, to come to me and to seek me? And the answer is no. Every one of them has turned aside and they have together become corrupt and there is none who does good. No, not one. So that's the reality. But the gospel story is the story of how God has reconciled us to himself. God reaches out to us. See, God doesn't like the enmity. God doesn't like you being an enemy if you're a sinner. God doesn't want the enmity. God longs to walk in fellowship and relationship with all of his creation. That's his heartbeat. And so what did God do? God reached out to us. God, God took the initiative in the greatest act of love that this world will ever see. God sent his son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sins, and to make a new and a living way to God where the sin can be removed and you can be reconciled with, with the Lord. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait till we were good. While we were enemies, he died for us. Now, I love the, I love the new songs, and I love that um, 
nothing is better than you, Pastor Billy. Oh, that's becoming fast. That's one of my favorites. You know, I like that. They can just they can rock that. And I, and, and I love Glorious Day. I just love all of them. I think y'all, I think you sang three of my favorite songs today. But I'm old now. At least to some of you, my kids, I guess I'm old. I'm older, and so I know, like, I love all the new stuff, and I'm, I like the old stuff. And I'm a singing preacher. That's my problem. I'm a singing fool for Jesus. And I was thinking about this message, and I said, now, there's an old song that really fits good here. And so we're just going to have a little fun, and I'm going to sing in the middle of my sermon. Y'all just come every Sunday. You never know what's going to happen. And this song really makes the point about God taking the initiative. It says, once my soul was astray from the heavenly way, I was wretched and I was blind as could be. this down his hand for me now the course goes like this oh when the savior reached down for me now this is true of some of you he had to reach way down for me oh no what I'm talking about come on whoa I was lost and so undone without God or his son when he reached down his hand for me how many remember the day when God reached down his hand for you come on somebody come on give Jesus some glory in this house how many remember when God reached down for you you remember Huh? You remember how far down he had to reach? Some of you, that's what I'm talking about to God. God, through his son Jesus, reached down his hand for us. Because see, when two people are at odds, sometimes it takes a go-between to fix things. A mediator. I was watching this week the official program of the South, the Andy Griffith Show. And in this particular episode... There were two families. They weren't the Hatfields and the McCoys. They were the Wakefields and some other family. There were two feuding families in Mayberry. Y'all ever seen that episode? Two feuding families in Mayberry. And they carried their guns around, the two fathers, you know, the families, the patriarch. And they're always acting like they want to shoot each other. Well, they never do shoot each other, but they're all the time acting like they want to shoot each other. Well, it's kind of a Romeo and Juliet story. The son of one father and the daughter of the other father fall in love. And they want to get married. They come to Andy to get married because he's not only the sheriff, but if you watch the show, he'll turn the placard around his desk and says, Justice of the Peace. And so he's going to marry them. Well, they find out, and they show up with the guns, and they point them at Andy, and they say, don't you marry my son to that girl, and don't you marry my daughter to that guy, because we're feuding families. So Andy's got to figure out a way to try to get them reconciled so that these two kids can get married. And so he gets a bright idea. He gets those two fathers out there. They don't know they're going to both be out there. He gets them out there in the field, and he says, all right, you're going to stand back to back. We're going to do this like the old days. They both had their guns, you know. He said, you're going to take three paces, step three paces, turn around and fire. One of you are going to kill each other. 
we're going to shoot. Well, they didn't want to shoot each other, so they started making excuses. And so finally, through trickery, because, you know, Andy always has to trick somebody. Finally, through trickery, he fools them, and they realize they don't really need to feud anymore. That son and daughter needs to come together, and that will fix everything. And Andy reconciles the two. By the end of the program, they both got their guns pointed at Andy, threatening him if he doesn't marry the daughter and the son. Now, that's classical Andy Griffith. But the point is, it took Andy, Sheriff Taylor, to serve as the mediator to reconcile these two guys. Now, that's a funny story, but I'll tell you one from American history. I'm a, I'm a history buff. I love American history. I've read just all kinds. I love David McCullough, who's one of our fantastic uh, American history writers. And, and I love the story of John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. Thomas, Tom Adams, uh, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson were as different as night and day. You couldn't find two founding fathers that were as different as anybody could be. But they became best of friends. Thomas Jefferson was so close to the Adams family that John Adams' children called him Uncle Thomas. Now, that's how close they were. But as the nation got founded and politics developed, George Washington was elected as the first president of the United States. And when his time was up, John Adams was the second president of the United States. He finished his first term. He had a second term. However, Thomas Jefferson, who was an astute politician and shrewd, worked behind the scenes to tear down John so that he could be elected as the third president of the United States. So John Adams only served one term and then Thomas Jefferson. Well, John never knew any of this until somebody finally told him. And it just it killed him. It just killed him that Thomas Jefferson would betray him like that. And the, and, and the hurt was so bad that a rift developed between the two. And they had nothing to do with each other at all. This is true. And years go by, and they're getting up in age. And one of the other founding fathers said, this is sad that two of the main men responsible for this country's founding won't even talk to each other. I can't remember. I want to think it may have been Sam Adams. But one of them, so here's what he did. He wrote a letter to John Adams and signed it Thomas Jefferson. And then he wrote one to Thomas Jefferson and signed it John Adams. And both of the letters said, we need to stop this. I want to make up and let's reconcile. That's pretty shrewd, wasn't it? So both of them thought the other one had written the letter. And so they were able, agreeable to talk to each other. And they reconciled and they made up. See, it took a go-between. By the way, you want a little, do you want a little trivia here? Thomas Jefferson and John Adams both died on the same day within a matter of hours from each other, and it was July 4th, Independence Day. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So what it takes is it takes a go-between. What I'm trying to come here today telling you these earthly stories is, this, is the great story is that God said, I want to reconcile with sinful humanity, with people who aren't right with me, and I'm going to use a go-between, and it will be my son Jesus. And that's why 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And let me just ask you this. Have you ever been at odds with someone and then been reconciled? It's wonderful, isn't it? Matter of fact, sometimes the, the, the relationship is stronger because you have, you have reconciled the issues. You have dealt with the issues. I had a couple that talked to me after the first service, and they were talking about, the, he, you know, he said, you may mention like in marriage where sometimes there has to be, you know, reconciliation. And, you, and I said, yeah, it's because you work through the issues. You can't just put a Band-Aid on the issue. You have to talk it through. You have to beat it out. You have to work. But once you work through it, the, the, the marriage or the relationship with some other person is stronger than ever before. And, and when, when you're reconciled with God, it's awesome because the benefits are tremendous. The benefits are worth laying aside the animosity and the rebellion. The benefits are worth, you should get right with God for the benefits, but I'm just telling you they're there. I mean, you should get right with God so you can have a relationship with God. 
But the benefits are there. Here's the, here are the benefits. You are delivered from God's wrath, so you're saved. You are justified. Your guilt is removed, and you are forgiven. God no longer imputes your trespasses to your account. Instead, he reckons or imputes Jesus' righteousness to your account. And then he goes one step further, and it's the last verse we read in the text, and he makes you to become the righteousness of God. You can be the most wrong person in the world, but when God gets through with you, you will be as right as anybody can be because you'll have God's righteousness. You can't get any better than that, can you? It's unbelievable. And Romans 5, 11, there's a parallel passage to 2 Corinthians that talks about reconciliation. It's Romans 5. And Romans 5, 11 says that when you are reconciled with God, here's what it says. You rejoice in God your Savior through your Lord Jesus Christ. You rejoice. So let me just say this. Reconciled people are rejoicing people. Reconciled people are rejoicing people. Um, when you get saved, you're going to be happy. When you get saved, you're right with God, there'll be joy unspeakable that's full of glory. And when you come to church, you'll be ready to worship the Lord. I, I told the early service, I made them paranoid, but I used to sit here where you guys are sitting, then I moved back over there because I have to stay near the door now, go in and out, so I can see everybody, so I can see whether or not you're worshiping. Somebody watching you. Now, I didn't say that to make you paranoid. I'm not, I'm not sitting over there judging you. But I'll tell you what it does for me. It happened this morning. When you see just hundreds of people with their hands up and singing to the top of their lungs and rejoicing and celebrating and, and just glorying in who God is and what he's done, I'm going to tell you what, it blesses me. It gets me fired up. It makes me want to worship even more. If it blesses me, think what it does to God. When you lift him up, when you magnify him, when you sing to him, when you exalt him. So reconciled people are rejoicing people. So when you're reunited with God, it does feel good. You have joy. You have peace. There's happiness. It's unbelievable. You know, one of you might be asking out here, Pastor, why would God go to all of this trouble? I mean, why does God just zap all the sinners and throw them in hell? There's an answer for that. And the answer is because God is a relational God. God is a relational God. God wants to be right with his people. And so let me just say this. I have this statement that I wanted to come here today and say, God would rather save you than destroy you. I mean, think about that. God would rather save you than destroy you. And some people say, well, yeah, but he still sends sinners to hell. Let's get that one straightened out. God doesn't send anybody to hell. You send yourself to hell. Now, let me just show you for a minute. When a, when, a, when, an, when a person chooses to commit a crime and breaks into a store and robs the store and then gets caught, the judge doesn't send him to jail. The law that he has broken sends him to jail, and what he has done sends him to jail. The judge just carries out the sentence. Y'all with me? So don't say, God, how can a loving God send people to hell? A loving God doesn't send people to hell. A holy, just God carries out the law. And when you break the law, that's where you go. You broke the law, you go to jail, and jail's hell. But if you want to know the heartbeat of God, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Just like a judge sitting on a bench doesn't want to see anybody experience capital punishment or spend a lifetime in prison. 
but, but he has to go by what the law says. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus came to take the penalty, and he suffered death for you so that you don't have to do that. That's the gospel, see? And it's, and it's powerful. And so there's a, there's a scripture in the Bible. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. I think it's the heartbeat of God. It, it says like this. This is God speaking. He said, I will walk among you and dwell in you. And I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord. Now, what's the common theme through every bit of that relationship? You see that? Relationship. I will dwell, I will walk among them. See, fellowship, relationship. And I'm going to do one better than that, God said. I'm going to live inside of you. So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'm with you everywhere you go. And I'm going to be your God, and you're going to belong to me. You'll be my people. You're mine. That's wonderful, isn't it? And I'm going to be a father to you, and where you are my enemy and a rebel, I'm going to change all that. And all the men, you're going to be my sons. For all the women, you will be my daughters. See, that's the heartbeat of God. God wants to have relationship with us, and that's why God went to all the trouble. So that's talking to people who are in sin and need to be saved. Let me talk to the saints for a minute. If you have been reconciled to the Lord, okay, everything's right between you and God. God has committed to you the ministry of reconciliation. We go to great lengths here with something we call growth track to help people discover how God has wired them and their spiritual gifting so that they can find a way to minister for the Lord. Because I think everybody has a calling for some kind of ministry. It might be baking cakes for elderly people or mowing some single lady with raising her kids by herself, cutting her grass. It may be volunteering in church. There are all It could be giving. It could be leading. There are, there's just a plethora of ways that you can serve. And I believe every person has a calling to do something. But there is a general in mass calling that is for everybody who's been redeemed, and that is the, the ministry of reconciliation. It is our job to share the word of reconciliation. It is to give out to people the message of reconciliation, to say to them, this is what God wants to do. He wants to get right with you. The Bible actually says in the text we read that you are an ambassador for Christ. An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent as the official representative and promoter normally of a country. But you can be an ambassador for other organizations. Ours isn't a country or an organization. Ours is God and his kingdom. So look around the room. We have a room full of ambassadors here today. And I'm going to mess with your head. I'm going to mess with your mind right now. You have been called to speak for, on God's behalf to people. That's something to think about. You get to speak on God's behalf. That's what an ambassador does. You get to promote God and his kingdom and his gospel and share that message with anybody who will listen. And the message is simple. You don't have to be at odds with God anymore. He's reaching out to you. All you need to do is reach out and be reconciled to God and he'll save you. So everybody in this room who's saved let me remind you one more time of your calling. It might be a neighbor, a family member, a co-worker, college roommate, 
a high school friend, whoever it is that needs Jesus, if God opens the door and the opportunity, it is your responsibility to boldly walk through that door and as an ambassador and speak to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you a story that I read about two brothers who were farmers, and their farms were adjacent. They actually shared a property line, and they would share resources and just had a great relationship until one day they, and nobody knows why, but they had a deep quarrel. I mean, they had a knockdown drag out. It was bad. It was so bad that they wouldn't talk to each other. They weren't going to have anything to do with each other. And so the one brother, in spite, hired, hired out a bulldozer and bulldozed a creek connected to a water source and just made this bulldoze this just area right through so that water started flowing and created a creek right along the property line so his brother couldn't walk over on his property. So his, his brother, John, saw that and ticked him off, made him mad. One day a carpenter came by, an itinerant carpenter, said, do you have any work for me to do so I can make a little money? And John said, oh, yeah, come out here with me. And he took him out in the field. He said, you see this? He said, this is the property line. He said, I want you to build me a fence where I don't have to see my brother or see his property or see that stupid creek anymore. Build me a fence all the way along so he can't come on my property. Carpenter said, okay, and John left. The carpenter worked all day. John came back to check on him and was shocked when he came back there was no wall. But instead, the carpenter had built a bridge over the creek from his property to his brother's. And John's brother was standing out there watching it the whole time, wondering what in the world is this guy doing? And he thought that his brother had hired this guy to do it, and it touched his heart that his brother would actually want to reconcile. He saw that as an act of reconciliation, and so he walked halfway across the bridge with tears in his eyes. And John was mad at first until he saw his brother and what was happening, and he walked over to him, and they reconciled. They embraced, and they said, I'm sorry, and they reconciled, and, 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 and everything was made right all because of a bridge. And then they thought about the carpenter, and they turned around and said, hey, will you stay a while? And he said, nope. He's packing up his tools. He said, i got to go. He said, there are more bridges I need to build. I'm asking you today, who do you know that is separated from God? Because you can build a bridge. God's called us to be bridge builders, to help connect them with the Lord through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is, a, this is an illustration that's been around a long, long time. But I said, i got to use it today. It's so simple, but it really does reflect what Jesus did. Here's man on one side, God on the other, and a great chasm that separates the two, which is our sins. There's no way for us to get across, and we don't even really want to get across. God wants to get across, but our sins stand in the way. There needed to be a go-between. Somebody needed to build a bridge. So Jesus came and died on the cross. And that cross fits perfectly where the sin is. Because he who knew no sin became our sin. He can fill that gap because he became our sin. So that we might get right with God. And so now, God has made a way. God takes the initiative. And he's created through Jesus Christ a new and a living way to God. That's what the Bible says. All we have to do is just walk across that bridge through Jesus Christ and be reunited with the Lord. So I'm preaching today. I'm preaching a lot lately. Messages that says to 
someone who's not right with the Lord, or maybe somebody who's backslid. It doesn't have to be this way. God wants to save you. God wants to change you. God wants to be reunited with you. And it'll be awesome. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.